Mountain Ops offers the best supplements on the market and functional gear for athletes and hunters. Their Battleground Merino garments are some of the best I have found. I've chosen to support a company that supports the community. A portion of every sale on Mountain Ops website, www.mountainops.com, goes to help feed a family in need. Use my code KEEPHAMMERING for 20% off your first purchase and also receive free shipping. I think a lot of you guys will be interested in this next sponsor. First Light Farms is a New Zealand-based farm that ships elk meat straight to your door. The reality is not everyone's going to fill their tag every year, so First Light Farms is ready to fill your freezer with lean protein that is high in iron, zinc, and B vitamins. To tell you the truth, I've been pretty surprised at how tender the meat is from First Light Farms. And I guess it's because they have no natural predators in New Zealand, so the elk live a pretty low-stress life, and you can taste that in the meat. They're offering listeners of the podcast a 15% discount using code CAM15 at stateclub.firstlight.farms. The link will be in the show notes of the podcast for those interested. Well, the Keep Hammering Collective with Kevin Fallon and Dave Dombrow. Thanks, guys, from Speedland. Appreciate you guys coming to Springfield, Oregon. I almost said Eugene, but uh, Springfield, Oregon. Yeah, honored. It's, uh, man, this is this is going to be fun because the our number one thing that we're doing is talking about our partnership. And uh, it's a big honor for me to be connected with you guys. And <laughs> we're kind of releasing or showcasing the, the brand new Cameron Haynes shoe, your Speedland product. And uh, it looks amazing. But um, I wanted to find out what is Speedland? What? How are how are we right here right now? Tell me what's happened. You want to take that? Yeah. Well, let's go back maybe to the beginning a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one unique thing is Kevin and I we've worked together for it's been what almost twenty two twenty three years now, mm-hmm. and uh, it started way back uh, in Nike. That's where we met, mm. and then uh, <clears throat> at that time we were we were doing basketball shoes actually. Did, were you? I think. Were you in the movie? Did you make the Air yeah. Jordan? That was. That we was, didn't make the cut. No, we didn't no. make the cut. Did did see that though? It's quite yeah. quite quite an entertaining good movie, yeah. uh, good movie. So that was, but that was how many years ago was that? That would probably have been what forty years ago now. Yeah, that was that they set that what in uh, the Jordan space. So eighty four. Eighty right. When that was so set. close to forty years. Yeah, and exactly. you guys were twenty years yeah, after that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you didn't you didn't save the basketball market. At, no, 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 we had no. Nothing to do no, with it was it was doing quite quite well already. <laughs> when we when we yeah. got there, but um, but that's where we met, and um, I was doing some inline design, which is kind of the you know kind of designing for different players, and when Kevin was on the innovation side in mm. basketball, so that was kind of the the genesis of us meeting, and then we ended up going from there to uh, eventually Puma together. Uh, really? Well, not together, but we ended up there together. We ended up working closely together. I was managing the design team in Germany, mm-hmm. and Dave was managing the design team in, in Boston. Boston. So, oh, gotcha. We really you learned to make work. this more in the middle, right yeah, here. There you go. Yeah, that perfect. We we learned to work well together, mm. coordinating creative directions for the season and design reviews across the ocean, and so. That mm. was, and that was what. And Puma was that running shoes or what was that? Kind of everything. Oh, all of them. Yeah. So anything from yeah, uh, football or what's soccer boots to mm-hmm. uh, to uh, running to more of lifestyle stuff. So it kind of crossed over in every dimension. Actually, motorsport was a big 
thing of all things uh, back back then with Puma. So we did that, and then we ended up at uh, Under Armour together, mm-hmm. um, and and that's where we were together the the longest. Uh, we were there almost ten years, and uh, again, uh, Kevin was again on the innovation side, and I was on the inline side directing that. So, what does uh, inline side mean? It, it, that's like uh, when you're working basically, say two to three years out Mm. and if you think of like innovation working like three to five or even longer three to seven years out i hate that part yeah i like the (laughs) the one day out (laughs) yeah yeah you're very real time yeah (laughs) but um but the 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 way it works right is innovation in the way it should work is innovation feeds concepts and Mm -hmm. and into inline and then inline commercializes them right and so that's kind of our you know been our relationship in the past and uh, so long story short, when we decided to, or when we left Under Armour, uh, that was kind of the perfect blend for Speedland because we had a little bit different skill sets, but we could bring those together uh, to create, you know, what we're doing now. Right. Well, and what, when you were at Under Armour, is that when I was doing mm-hmm. the, the my shoes over there too? Yeah. And like, yes. Um, designer I worked with a lot was Sean. Yeah. Sean, right. Sean yeah. Kind of, yeah. Oh yeah. He was awesome. Yeah. I love Sean. I Sean think he's great. a, yeah. he's a Hoka now. I think, is he still, I, b- I believe he is. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's uh, I think he's there officially. Yeah. He did. He did like, I don't know if he did the trail shoot, but I know he did the boot and uh, yeah. 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 There were a number of people involved. Um, uh, another guy who's uh, Matt Rask was also yes. was involved with you before, mm-hmm. maybe before Sean. Um, he's a Hoka. He's a Hoka. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Hoka, yeah. I call it Woka. Yeah. They, uh, man. <laughs> they have yeah. an operation. They're in Por- They have an operation in Portland. Now. <laughs> do yeah. they? Yeah, they do. I mean, they're headquartered in, in Santa Barbara, but they, uh, <sighs> but they have a, I, I don't know what the full in, in, I don't know, maybe you're up on it more than me, but I know they have a design <laughs> operation of some sort in Portland. Yeah. Yeah. They make good, sh- they make good shoes, but you know, the marketing part is always like pretty interesting to me on these you know, these running shoes or not just, not just running shoes, but it's like everything nowadays. But yeah, I mean, I like when it's just focused on the, Hey, just make cool shoes. Can we do that? Yeah. That's, and that's where we are right now. And it's not a million miles from where Hoka started, right? They were super niche. They Mm -hmm. had a crazy concept, right? This really thick mid-soled shoe for downhill running. And, um, you know, they, they grew it into a billion dollar brand, but they're killing it. They're, they're, they're doing really well. And, Mm -hmm. I think we are following in a, in a similar path where we want to focus on the mountain runner. Mm-hmm. And we just saw an opportunity. We love the outdoors. So for us, if we're going to pour our heart and soul into something, we want it to be out in the mountains and be enjoying that. And then, you know, that athlete like you, the, you're out there doing some crazy things. You know, mm-hmm. what's happening in mountain running and the distances and the terrain. We felt it was really underserved. You know, a lot of times trail was a second cousin to road running. All the technology, all the R and D is going into road running. Right. And well, um, it's, it's it's it still is with the big brands. It is. It, it, it isn't. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. if you're a forty billion dollar brand like Nike, trail is tiny. Yeah. It's hardly yeah. worth the squeeze for us. That's all we want to focus on. Right. And we wanted to bring the best of everything we knew from our career, the best fit system, the best materials, the best foams, the best traction. And that was kind of our philosophy is let's not start with a price that we want to buy this from a factory. Mm-hmm. Let's start with how do we make the best product that we yeah. can make and bring that to, to the mountain runner and, and see if 
if it resonates with you. That's, yeah. Why the mountain? I mean, why are, why are you guys more focused on that than road running? Well, one, there's there's a lot of great product happening on the roadside, right? There's a there's a war happening for marathon racing shoes, yeah, and that's not something we wanted to step into. I mean, mm-hmm. Nike's making great product in that space, and what we saw was that same level of obsession wasn't happening for trail mm-hmm. and it's different. You can't just take what works on the road and, right. and translate it to the trail. Cause I've tried. Yeah, <laughs> I, I tried. Right. And so I tr- did we, yeah. um, we tried everything and you know, those really stiff plated shoes off camber stuff and rocks are mm-hmm. dangerous. Yeah. And so we, that's where we saw the opportunity and, mm-hmm. and felt like nobody was really obsessing those details in a way that could, um, in a way that we could, and, and that's what we yeah. wanted to do. I'm always like, you know, I think it's from hunting is because when you're packing everything you need on your back, ounces matter, right? So I used to, back in the day, backcountry boning is all I did. You know, there'd be a thing like you'd have your toothbrush, you cut the handle off your toothbrush because you got to save this. So it's like, I have that mindset. It's like the less I have to carry every step. And I think about the, uh, even in Without Limits, the Prefontaine movie, you know, I think, uh, was it Bowerman? Um, who was talking about, you know, you take this many, your stride is six feet. Um, you're running this many strides per mile, this many ounces per stride, 50,000 pounds at the end of the race, something like that. But anyway, that mindset I've always had. So I'm like, well, I'm going to run in the mountains. I I don't want to carry more than I have to. So I would try to get away with the road running shoes in the mountains and they're just not enough there. So you end up, you're going downhill, your toes are just slammed in the front of the shoe. Um, you're side hilling and your feet are rolling off the sole basically. And that's causing issues. So then it's like, okay, I need a more of a shoe. And then it's like, well, this one feels clunky, right? Or it's whatever. So, and these, I mean, um, your speed land, this new shoe, I mean, you just feel it and you can go in and look at shoes all the time. I do. I love shoes. I've been a a shoe guy forever, but, and you just kind of feel it and you're like, okay, that's feels pretty good, pretty yeah. light. And <laughs> then it's like, is, is there enough to it? Yeah. The structure's there. Oh, the boa, you know, if I'm, what I do, like if I'm going downhill and I know my feet might slide because it's steep downhill, you, I just tighten that up a little bit. I get back on flat, I back it off a little bit. And it's like that, you can't do that with laces. So right, huh? just all those different things, I see why you guys could obsess about that. And it seems like it's, it's, uh, I mean, been realized, your focus has been realized with this shoe. I mean, is that where you guys are at? Yeah, I mean, I think everything's a, it's a constant process, right? We're always trying to get better. Uh-huh. And, and with this shoe, we feel like we're able to, you know, dial in some things as time has gone on. And like, was that, a, was that for the BOA dial? Yeah, yeah, is that exactly. what? <laughs> no pun intended, but yes. Um, but you're right. I mean, like that insight you just said, like, yeah, I'm able to adjust it real time. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of our uh, elite runners, trail runners say the same thing, like, especially in a race when they're in, even if it's a long race, say. You, you don't want to stop for a second. You don't want to stop. It. Yeah. And, and you're in. And so if they can adjust, let alone a minute, like to do laces. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a huge advantage. Um, let alone the fidelity of it, right? The precision increments, you just can't get that with laces the same exact way. Mm-hmm. So we think there's a, a lot to it there. And, and your other comment about the, the way that they're light, but we're kind of, we, we use this term recently, like we want them to be lightweight, but more importantly, we want them to be the right weight. 
Mm-hmm. So right weight is, is, is something that we like to say a lot of times. Oh, the okay. Yeah. So they're light, but they're the right weight for what you need. Like yeah. you said, if they're I think too if, unstructured, that creates a problem. Yeah, I think if you chase the grams and try to make it the lightest, mm-hmm. you're compromising something. Some yeah. Durability or stability. And so we're, we're trying to find that balance where you get great longevity and you get the stability, but we're still competitive in the, in the weight zone. So yeah. And, and I know, I mean, I'm not affiliated with, well, now with Speedland I am, but I tried all the different shoes. Right. And I, in Hoka's were pretty good, but they, I mean, they, I don't want to say disintegrate, but they, that sole is light and cushiony, but you only get a few like hard runs out of it. It feels like, and you're already compromised a little bit because the structure isn't there because it is so comfortable. So it's almost yeah. like it's comfortable for like a week. And then it's like, now my foot is just sinking in too much. So I, I get where it's, uh, and then, you know, I tried some other ones. I tried Kraft. I tried Solomon. I tried all of them. And all of them have some, some it's a give and take. And to find the perfect thing is difficult. And then I ran, you know, I just did an ultra last weekend with these. And I was like, man. Those were money. I, you know, I made a couple adjustments during the run because it was up and down. It was muddy. Um, and, uh, the performance was awesome. So, I mean, I've, I've put a lot of miles in these shoes and I've been very impressed. You guys, you get, it seems like you guys killed it with those. Well, thanks. thanks. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a process for sure. We really put athletes at the center of everything we do. And, um, I think you've seen a little bit of that in the time we've interacted that you know, we want the texts from our athletes, hey, this is working, this is not working. And we make adjustments as real time as we can to tweak and constantly listen and try to make things better. But fundamentally, you know, we're choosing higher quality materials. We're charging a little higher price. We're mm-hmm. in a different, as a small brand, we can do things differently than the, the big brands. And Hoka, Solomon, they make some great products, but they're big brands and they're caught right. up in a, we kind of call it that that product cycle where sometimes you see products are being redesigned before the previous ones in the market. They don't mm-hmm. really know what they're making better other what they're than tweaking. From maybe some, some wear testing along the way. And um, we've seen that and we just, we don't want to, we don't want to do that. We want to make it better when better materials become available or when our athletes say, Hey, I, I need this kind we, of tweak. I mean, to add on that, we don't even really want to be a brand unless we can make it better. Hmm. If we right. can't make something better and have that as our object, objective, like, we don't need to just make another shoe. Right. Like that's not what Speedland's about. Yeah. So any product, honestly, we would ever come out with in the future, the idea would be like we're making it better than what's out there. Yeah. That's the the reason, you know, this whole no compromises. Like that's what the whole brand and, and athletes is what it's founded on. Yeah. I, I like when I hear you guys say you listen to the athletes and listen to feedback because I mean I'm not I had a great experience at Under Armour and, but I did have some tweaks at like, just like on, on the boot, I said, Hey, I want a, a loop on the back of it because sometimes those boots and you're trying to get your foot down the boot and it's kind of tight. Mm. You want some, there's nothing to pull back there. Yeah. I'm like, I just want that loop on the back. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll get the loop on the back. Never happened. I'm like, if I'm using it and I say, I want that, why, why didn't it happen? So it's like stuff like that for, you know, an athlete or whatever is like, right. yeah, if you want the feedback, take it and let's do something with yeah, it. And sometimes it's simply because of the layers, Yeah, the layers of people exactly. and management and yeah. all this stuff, right? Like where with us, like, well, it's us. It's two, <laughs> two guys right now. So yeah. It's either Dave or me or if both. If it doesn't happen, you just come yell at us. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think that is 
one of the other things that we felt we could do different and better than a big company and for for the right athletes you know that's the people who come to us are frustrated with those kind of things mm-hmm. where if you have an athlete manager or there's people in between you and that product team it's kind of silly and and i think we got frustrated with that even in in previous jobs we've had like why can't the product teams get closer to the athletes? And there's always some reason. Yeah. But it's not a good one. No. There's, there's really, like, if you're going to engage in these relationships, like, it's got to be meaningful on both sides. And if you're going to an athlete and saying, hey, I want, you know, you to wear our product, you should listen to what they have to say about it. Yeah. It's, uh, and I do, I understand, you know, with a brand like those big brands, I think Under Armour, Under Armour got to $5 billion or whatever in sales. Yeah. It's not going to, you're not going to sit down with, you know, Kevin Plank and say, Hey, I want this. You know, like I'm sitting down with you guys, you know I mean? So I get that. Um, and it's, that's part of the business. It's just like, you get huge. And then, you know, I like that. I don't know. You can't, I guess, as you said, you're trying to do the best of both worlds, you know, trying to, to specialize in mountain running and with a big brand, you can't really specialize in too many things, you know, you got to kind of hit the hot spots on some of them, do the best you can. So I get it. It's uh there's, there's a difference between a giant brand and a, and an upstart brand like you guys. So, you know, not trying to shit on anybody because that's just, <laughs> no, nor are no, we, that's, we're not either. We, it's just a difference of, you know, focus. Yeah. And when you're a big brand, the running market on the road is far, far bigger. Yeah. So that's, that's where you get the attention, focus, right? I get it. And uh, for us, you know, as a small startup brand, you know, we want to we want to serve the, the mountain athletes. And, and there's plenty of business there for a small brand like us if we do it the right way. That's yeah. what we think. And, well, that, and that's not to say we might not do a road shoe someday. Yeah. But if we do a road shoe, it's for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's because our mountain athletes are training on the road right. and they need a great road training shoe. We probably will never make a racing road shoe. Right. Because, you know, there's many other brands that are doing a great job on that. Mm-hmm. It's more authentic and core to who they are. So that's the thing. Like, we always want to stay authentic and core to who we are to make something better. Yeah. I mean, that's that's good. I do want to touch. Uh, I just had Kip Folks on, and he was one of the original founders of Under Armour. And he here's how he described you guys. So I, I don't know if you guys will. Oh, boy. You know Kip. He'll I like do. just. But he well, said. Yeah, I know. He said. He said. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, let's see, let me think how this went. He said, <laughs> Kevin was a genius and Dave is just the best, one of the best shoe designers you'll ever find. So that's what he said. There you go. Well, wow. I'm not Just sure I'm ready it. to wear that, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this is kind. I mean, we had, we had, uh, you know, Kip, Kip for us was, a an inspirational leader. I think he, he was one of those guys who, you know, there's no bullshit with Kip. Right. He's going to tell you where you stand. And, and I think we really appreciated that in a big company. Sometimes that's rare, mm-hmm. you know, and for him to, to sometimes it's not always what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. And I think that was it was a you know great um, time when we had Kip kind of leading us at UA. We missed him when he when he left. That's for yeah. sure. The place, yeah. The place changed. Definitely changed. I yeah. mean, yeah, he's been one of my best friends, but, and I do appreciate just as you said, he'll just tell it like it is. Yeah. And in life, you need people like that. You know, I mean, you can't sugarcoat everything. Sometimes yeah. you need to hear the, the hard truth or, you know, if you did a good job, it's nice to hear you did a good job. If you fucked up, I got to hear about it yep. and he'll, he's good for that. But uh, yeah, I wanted to share that too, because <laughs> he's been instrumental in even our, uh, 
our partnership, you know, kind of been the middleman and bringing us together. And, and it's, uh, man, it's, to me, it's exciting because it's weird. It's this business is crazy. I mean, there's Olympic athletes, Olympic runners with small followings. They should have, they're the best in the world. They should have millions of people following what they do. Running is such a weird thing where somebody like me, who I'm far from an Olympian, I run every day. I love running. I love the mountains. I'm not like best in the world, but I, I get this opportunity with you guys. And it, and it seems, it seems crazy sometimes because I was thinking about this earlier, like the best bat, you can't have like some guy who's good on the playground. I'll just say I'm like good on the playground in basketball, right? Some guy who's good on the playground isn't going to have be competing with LeBron James with a shoe, but in running, it's just a weird, isn't that weird? It's very different. Well, I I mean, I think that's what, (laughs) one of the things we love about this space and, and, you know, the athletes is everyone's it's a great community, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people are accessible. You know, you can go up to one of the best ultra runners in the world and no, nobody's going to know who they are. And they're going to likely to have a chat with you, you know, and we love that approachability. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it is interesting, though, the way you bring it up, because I was thinking about this, too, because, like, yeah, we're going to we're off to what, Cocodona in three weeks. Right? Oh, nice. When one of our athletes running that. And and uh, it is interesting the way you said it, because, like, yeah, you'll have. Very average, I mean, including myself in that, very average runners lining up against, with, not against, against, with, whatever, very elites. Yeah. And they're in the same race. Right. I know. <laughs> they wouldn't be on the same basketball court. No. <laughs> I, it, but then maybe that yeah. is kind of the great part about it that like, it is. everybody what's... can participate. Yeah. Yeah, some of these races are hard to get into. You got to get lottery tickets and everything else, like yeah. Western or Hard Rock or any of these. But but yeah, that is kind of interesting that, you know, every runner can be in, a, in, a, in the same race. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> running is like, so how many superstar runners are there? You know, I mean, not a bunch, not, not a bunch who are like, no. you know, cause social media is kind of weird. Like I said, like, you know, that an Olympian might have 5,000 followers, right. you know, and they should, they deserve more of a, to make more of an impact. Right. There's a few, you know, there's a, Emma Coburn, she's got a big following. Sure. She deserves it. Three-time Olympian, right. very marketable, blonde hair, just fit, yeah. badass. But there's only a few, few runners who fit in that, and it's just, it, it's yeah, just. Yeah, in trail running, even, even, even right, fewer. even fewer, right? Exactly. When you think of like, I don't know if household name is the right thing, but like, you've got Killian, Killian and Courtney, Walmsley, Walmsley, and then you got Courtney, obviously, mm-hmm. that you recently had on, and I mean. Outside of that, I mean, it's, it's household names are pretty hard to, I know, you know, I know. I think that the, I think that's a cool part of it also is that, so people, they can see these shoes, they can line up with the people, they can be wearing the same stuff, have that connection with them, listen to them. Because I know people like say with Courtney in the trail running and probably Jim, but, um, in, in the same respect, but they really feel like they know Courtney. You know what I mean? Because they watch everything she does. They listen to everything she says. She's so likable. And, of course, that's going to, you know, Solomon has done a good job with her, um, making her long shorts, making the films with her. And it's like, it's cool to see. I mean, I'm I'm happy to see Solomon supporting somebody like Courtney 
and her doing the same with that brand and elevating it. Because as you guys know, when everybody gets elevated, everyone wins. Or, or, or if a brand gets elevated, then every el everybody else wins. And so yeah. it's cool to see. I mean, she's had a film, I think Solomon helped produce or was or funded that has over 2 million views, um, her Tahoe 200 race. And that's how cool is that? That many people to be exposed to trail running. It's awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah, we, yeah we're, and we want to be a part of that, raising up this sport and the amazing things that are happening in the sport and the athletes within it. I mean, it's um, it's a great place to be. How well, and you guys just did that with that race recently up at the gorge. I mean, Speedline was a big part of that, and I think because wasn't Dil Dylan's a race director of that, and he's. Yeah, his, his shoe is the shoe I have on, right? Yeah, right. his company is what, yeah, he's like co-rag, I don't know what He the and Daybreak is. own it together yeah. Yeah, through Free Trail and Daybreak, I believe. So that was our in to, to be a big part of that race. And we're going to jump at every opportunity that we can and that we can afford to at this stage when it comes to supporting these events. And it's our backyard and, and it, it's a great Pacific Northwest event. I think I think Dylan said it's now the biggest West Coast Ultra. Really, yeah, one or two. But yeah, it's, it's near the top. So you know, it's great. It's an early season race. It's a you know gets really high level talent, and um, you know the conditions are classic Northwest. Rough. Yeah. It, it looked tough. tough. It was yeah. a tough weekend. It, we got a lot of rain, and um, I think on paper it doesn't look like crazy technical. It's not a ton of vert compared to some other races but now when it's wet it's are pretty tough. rocky it's, I saw, it's brutal <laughs> i saw some creek crossings i saw the, the clips of it you know under the waterfalls crossing the creeks those guys were flying yeah. i mean i think it paid didn't it paid for the winners too yeah. i mean there's some prize money up yeah. so that always brings the competition level out yep yeah the early season having good money good competition means you know it, it brings them out so it was uh it was a great event three seemed days. like a big big success Oh, yeah. I was happy to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they sold out really quickly. They added 30K. So they're getting into some of the sub ultra distances mm -hmm. too, which are becoming increasingly popular. So that's, you know, a great gateway into the longer races. So the 30K Friday, 100K Saturday, 50K Sunday it was a great weekend. It seems like the perfect timing for you guys to come into this, to specialize in this, because the ultra running world seems like it's exploding. You know, the interest in it, you know, these races sell out. Mm -hmm. even hundred mile races. It's, yeah. it's sometimes it's hard to get, find a hundred miler to run. And you know, 10 years ago, you could always get in a hundred other than Western, yeah. you know, you could get into almost right. any other hundred. And now like I did that one in Montana last year, first year, the crazy mountain. And it sold out in like a couple hours, I think this year. Right. I mean, yeah. so it's a perfect time because people are, they're wanting to challenge themselves to challenge yourself. You need good gear. Or, yeah, or are you going to fail? Sure. Well, and I think they're making them really accessible. We're having this conversation the other day with, we had an athlete summit with some of our athletes up, up there and, uh, and um, having this conversation and some of these groups like this Aravipa, we're, we're sponsoring, yeah. um, who puts on Cocodona and, and we're sponsoring Is that. Is that Jamil? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, great, the, the super events, nice guy. Super nice. Great guy. And the events are just super <laughs> accessible and the distances are super accessible depending on how you want to play it so you can get kind of every type of runner so it's kind of great like what's happened on the roadside in the past with you know these distances obviously going from like 10k to half marathon to marathons you know and you see all this now this participation in half marathons growing at such a rapid thing same kind of thing with trail i mean you see these kind of say what did i run in 
cold water. Cold, I ran like a 20 mile distance, right? Mm-hmm. Cold water. Cold water in Arizona. It's like, it's what a great introductory dis, distance, you know, for a, for a kind of a, it's not, a, it's not like an ultra, but it's still a longer race. Yeah. And you can get somebody who's, it's not maybe off the couch, but it's like somebody who's been running and it's like, okay, I'm going to go dip my toe in and run a 20 mile race down in Arizona. You mm-hmm. know? And so this group of Vipa, I mean, they, they have a ton of these things going on. So, I mean, it's, speaks to what you're saying that's like it's really inclusive and it's really growing and you know you get somebody that does a 20 and then they jump to a 50k and then they jump to a 50 mile and then all of a sudden they're okay i'm gonna challenge myself with 100 mile yeah and it doesn't seem so crazy anymore no <laughs> and then you know you get people who are gonna go do 250 and and you know yeah. is there gonna be a 500 some of course there is yeah oh yeah for sure <laughs> and, and Courtney will be the first one to sign up for it <laughs> I was and thinking about that it. too. Yeah. Oh, I know. She's amazing. But here's another another thing that I with the trail running community, the ultra community. So here's the difference. Like in I go to a lot of the big track meets here in town. You know, yeah. we get the trials and we mm-hmm. get the world championships. There's nobody running those races smiling and high fiving. You know, Courtney will be smiling during a race, having like having a good time, saying thank you to the aid stations and yes. thanks for it's like that's a huge difference between ultra world and track world. You know, track world, it's a job, it's a business. I mean, and there's, you don't have time. You're in, a, you know, uh, the steeplechase, you can't be smiling and having a good time out there. You're yeah. grinding. And it's like, to me, the ultra running world is like, and, the, and she's winning. So imagine all the people in the back that are actually have time to, to, make a post about it. You know what I mean? Share their experience. And it's like, so that accessibility is, or just sharing in, uh, the experience is unique. Yeah. And that's what, that's what, to me, that's what makes it apart or makes it stand apart. And then also you're in the mounds, which are the setting is much different than a track. Agreed. And that's what I was talking a little bit about earlier between these locations, which all of them have unique cultures to them. Right? Yeah. You go to the rut or you go to Western, they, they have a, you know, unique thing going on there. And people, you know, they have a bucket list of these races mm-hmm. they want to do based on that. And that with, along with the different groups that direct these races, bring their own kind of personality. Like people love Aravipa because they know what to expect and they run a good operation. And yeah. so between those things, there's just these, this really neat culture and the accessibility of the people um, that, that are at the top of the game is, refreshing Hoyt archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005 and personally i really don't care what bow you shoot what brand it is i just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as i have in mine because i know if i get one opportunity with my hoyt it's going to pay off black rifle coffee company is a company that's very easy for me to promote because i drink coffee all day every day but more importantly They are a huge supporter of the veteran community and are a veteran-owned business, so they have my full support. Use code KEEPHAMMERING for 20% off your first order and 20% off subscription to the Coffee Club, where you get exclusive coffee blends and merchandise. How'd you guys get into the shoe business part? I mean, I heard we talked about your history, Mm -hmm. but were you always, like when you are young, shoes? I mean, I don't know, because that's how I... You know, my dad was an athlete for him. It was always like, he was always wearing Adidas. It's like, he went to school, like kind of when pre went to Oregon, he went to Oregon and, uh, it was Adidas was a big thing, but it's always like 
running shoe stores and always going, is that how you guys were? Did you grow up like that? I, yes. Well, so no, in, in my case, I was definitely a shoe fanatic from when I was very young. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the point, yeah, like my parents said, I used to like sleep with my shoes. Yeah. So that's weird. <laughs> that's, that's what they said. So yeah, a little too much information. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I did. And, um, and I was a basketball head growing up. So I used to play basketball and that's why I was into basketball shoes. So. What shoes did you sleep with? Which ones were, what were they talking? Like what? Any new shoe or no, no. So that was back like when, uh, in this case, it was like a Bo Jackson trainer. Oh, okay. So, like back in the day. So it was Ni Nike, Nike yeah. days back yeah. then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So those were some of the, some of the early, early, early ones. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that shows my age a little bit, I guess. Well, I had the Reebok where you pumped them oh, yeah. up. Remember I, those? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are pretty sure. sick. Yeah, remember the, yeah, the slam dunk competition <laughs> covering that, covering I, the eyes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. D. Anyway. Um, so I was that. And so for me, um, we, we at different times attended the same, um, same, uh, design school. Mm. And so I, I was kind of going down two paths. One was, one was kind of more love of sports and the other was love of, uh, cars mm. and, and anything automotive. Okay. And so, um, didn't know which direction I was going to go. And I ended up doing an internship at Solomon in, uh, at that time, they had an office in Boulder, Colorado. Mm. I don't have that. I don't believe they have that anymore, but they had that there. And so, um, I thought I was going to go there honestly and do uh, stuff related to skiing and snowboarding mm. design stuff. Right. Um, but they put me on trail running stuff. So they had this, this, uh, series called the raid series way back in the day, kind of these really cool, um, trail shoes. And uh, so I worked on that stuff, um, out of that office and that kind of got, then I went back to school, but that got the bug going. So when I left school, kind of had these two paths and I, I went right straight to Nike. Okay. Yeah. Nike recruited me out of school. Mm. So, and I, and I went straight to do basketball shoes because mm -hmm. I was still a basketball head. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what time was that? Like what Jordan were they on at that time? That they were pretty far. So that was when I went to Nike, that was the spring of 2000. Mm -hmm. So we were doing what was cool about that time period. They were all about innovation and doing crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was more about at that point, um, the technology mm. and the innovations than it was about the player so much. Now they were, they had players and they were talking about players. Don't get me wrong, but it was more about, so they had like shock. That's when shocks was coming out. If you remember shocks, yeah, yeah. Vince Carter was yeah. dunking over. People I had those. And all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was that time period. Um, and, and it was just fun from a design and innovation standpoint. So that's kind of how I, I was always kind of into shoes and that was kind of the perfect marriage of being able to blend shoes with sports. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so Nike was kind of my intro to that. Gotcha. Um, that's how, but really Solomon was Solomon's what got the whole thing rolling. Um, so I guess I, yeah, definitely own something. <laughs> <laughs> my, my bra was a little, a little different. different. Yeah. I, I wasn't really a, a shoe guy, a kid growing up. I was, I was really into cars and planes I got my pilot's license in high school and I was doing everything I could to get close to cars and wrenching on cars. My dad was not a mechanically capable guy, so mm -hmm. I was seeking out friends' dads or internships and things and managed to get, you know, close to some Porsche race cars at a shop in Florida and do an internship in college over in Germany. Um, so I was, I did a mechanical aerospace engineering degree first, still thinking I was going to go that way. I thought that's kind of how you got into cars or planes or boats or anything that went fast. And, um, 
I, I went to a college, I went to Brown that shared a campus with the Rhode Island School of Design. So I kind of got introduced to this world of design hmm. that for whatever reason, I guess I wasn't really tuned into in high school. I didn't kind of know that, that that was a career path. I thought engineering was how you got into that stuff. So I kind of struggled through engineering, got through it, but really found the love for design and made a decision to go back to school after I graduated and get another degree in product design. And um, my good friend and, and uh, brother from another mother, Kevin Hoffer, had internships at Nike and he loved the place and kind of introduced me to that idea of designing for shoes. And when we graduated together, Nike was hiring. This was 97. Mm. And uh, he had a job already in innovation there. And uh, there was an opening in Nike soccer, which was kind of, I think, fourth or fifth place in market share in soccer at the time. Like they, they weren't killing doing, it doing yeah. much but yeah. they knew they had to in order to become a global brand so i was really fortunate to fall into that group and it was a nice mix for me having an engineering degree and the product design because there's a lot of technical features about it, a soccer mm -hmm. shoe with an injection molded outsole so it was a really kind of nice place for me to land where there was um the design aspects the technical aspects there was the fact that nike was putting money into that and you got to see this business kind of be invested in and grow. And so that really um, just ignited a fire that kind of hasn't gone out. Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know that I loved shoes that much. But, <laughs> and I, when I took the job, I thought, okay, Nike's great company. I'll probably do this for a little while and then maybe do something else. But the, the interesting thing was that it, it never, it never got old. It never got um, tiring in the sense that there's always new materials. There's always new methods of manufacture. There's different problems to solve. So what from the outside seemed like kind of simple um, became really apparent that there's there's so much there and um, yeah so that that that's kind of how I, I fell into it because a good friend of mine was into it and uh, mm -hmm. opened some doors and uh, never looked back. No, I, I always had friends ask me from a design school. The design school we went to is is really well known for uh, so it makes some sense for car design. Mm. Some of the best car designers in the most. What, of, which it's called is Art that? Center College of Design. It's oh. in Pasadena. Okay. And uh, it, like some of the top chief design, you know, at all the different automotive companies around the world came from this, mm. this school. Okay. So that's kind of partially, probably what partially how there. we both yeah. ended up there. But um, I have friends ask me all the time, like, oh, you know, don't, aren't you sick of, sick of doing shoes? You know, all this stuff. They used to always ask me. And I don't know. Like I'm more obsessed than ever with doing, with right, doing really? shoes. So it's so funny. Like I, the obsession just seems to keep growing, you know, to well, that point. <laughs> and yeah. it's one of those things where you, you know, you, you think you're an expert or you think, you know, a lot. And then all of a sudden you realize something changes, a new technology comes along or mm -hmm. something else changes. And all of a sudden you're not anymore. And, and so that's super exciting, you know, yeah. I think it, as far as a career path goes, it, you never master it. I mean, I never feel that way. I feel like, I'm still a student of the thing. I'm still really interested in what's happening. And, and there's, again, so many ways to dive in. You could just spend the aesthetic side, just making beautiful shoes. And then there's all of the technical side to, to dive into as well. And I think, as Dave mentioned earlier, that's where maybe we complement each other really well. Um, Dave is more on the creative direction and, and style side for sure than I am. And maybe I lean a little more on the technical side. Mm -hmm. and he, Kevin's of, more of a builder. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he builds, fair. he builds to solve things. And I sometimes visualize or sketch to solve things. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of come together. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. good team. Then, it works. Sure. It, it's worked really well for us. And I think as a 
two-person shop, it's also been great in that, you know, we're not fighting over the same thing. Like, mm -hmm. we do different things and we overlap on some things, but um, it's been a, a good partnership and that's, I think, part of why it works for us. I've always, it, it seems like with the shoe, to me, it's like that soul is always, you know, you talked about the shock, then there was the air, and then those, those seemed kind of heavy. They're cool. I think they... I think they're cushiony. Um, <laughs> They've gotten better. They, got better. they were really not, pretty hard. Maybe not the initial shots at the beginning. Well, well shocks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they look probably look good. I'll you know, yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody cool. notices. Oh yeah, they got those uh, those little you know oh, air yeah. things. Oh, it's yeah. like that was like a huge marketing thing, obviously. Oh, yeah. um, but the shocks were too. And then, yeah. you know, you talk about Hoka. They're very comfortable, but maybe yeah. not structural enough. And then, so how'd you guys wind up? with this this product here for your soul well i mean we sought out the best material the best material that we knew to use mm -hmm. and and to be fair that's an evolution from our first product which was a little bit lower profile yeah more technical shoe. i can't do those those zero i have to i need that lift back here because have you guys noticed that like on you know stretching out that calf more for long races do yeah. people generally like more stack I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I think that zero, not everybody can do zero drop. Right. I and mean, I think when Born to Run came out, Nike Free was big and Fever and Five Fingers and um, the Minimus from New Balance. There were a, a host of products around that time that were zero drop. Yeah. And I think what lagged behind drastically was the educational portion that right. you can't just jump from a you know, 12 millimeter offset into, into a, you know, zero, zero. drop mm -hmm. and run the same. So that idea of like taking six or nine months to transition into zero drop kind of, yeah, nobody they skip that, that part. <laughs> skip that. And then people got hurt. Yeah. Now some people are great in zero drop yeah. and, and they have, you know, calf complexes and Achilles that tolerate it really mm -hmm. well. But I think typically as people fatigue over a long run, they want a little bit of heel ball offset. And this is seven, right? Seven. That's seven. Yeah. yeah four, four to eight is what like most people want to be kind of in that zone. It seems like, mm -hmm. and like you said, there's, there's, there's people that can go zero drop and, you know, actually traditionally, if you look at a lot of the road shoes in the past and even today still are like at 10, mm. you know, but, oh, okay. but four to eight, when you're talking about trail, it's a pretty, pretty nice zone to be in. I think the shorter the race, don't you, you kind of want to be more on your toes. Wouldn't that be right? Yeah. I think generally the faster you run, the more on your forefoot you mm -hmm. are, you know, sprinters don't touch their heel at right. all. Right. Yeah. So just translating that, the people who are running five, six minute miles are mm -hmm. very little heel They're striking. Up. Yeah. And some people do that naturally at any pace, but, um, people ask what I, what my foot strike. And I'm like, yeah. I have no idea. I just run. <laughs> I don't, I have no idea, but. And over a long race, it usually changes, you know, your, your gait mechanics tend to break down right. with fatigue. Yeah. And so what you do at the beginning is usually for most people different. Now, if someone like Courtney, it's a little different, but probably never um, changes exactly the same. <laughs> forever yeah and, and Man, you know her. your natural gait some people are just set up to you know put less strain on their body so they can do it easier so you say this material you it, it came out of our first an evolution of our first shoe so okay. we had a lower profile shoe and athletes like don reichelt and and liz canty two of our very early athletes kind of said to us hey i love this shoe but i need a little more cushioning for those longer distances mm -hmm. so then we thought, okay, we've been getting good feedback on the fit of the upper. We like the interchangeable plate system with the drop-in midsole. Mm -hmm. That seemed to be well-received. People yeah. were using that. 
we thought, okay, let's do a, a bigger lower midsole and a new outsole um, based on that upper. And that, that's what we started probably a year, a little over a year ago. Um, and again, choosing the best material, this beaded PBAX, we knew had great energy return and really good longevity. Hmm. And, um, you know, I haven't that, seen anybody use this. Has, has, it's, it's out there. Is it? Um, more, yeah. More on the, more on the road side. Yeah. Mm. Um, and there are some companies using it on the trail side that the, the difference is they're using it quite soft, which feels great when you're in the store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you get on a trail, yeah, you don't necessarily need it to be as soft as what you need on the road. Right. So that's where we've we've, you know, tried to hit that sweet spot of firm enough that it's not going to, you know, make you give you instability when you're when you're out on the trail. Yeah, I think bigger brands tend to lean more toward what's going to sell the shoe in the yeah. store mm-hmm. and that softer bouncier foam feels great and on the road often it is great but we in in our testing and what we tried it just got squirrely and unstable on the trail and so we went a little firmer and maybe it doesn't have as much of that kind of wow in store but we're we're not in many stores at the moment right. so yeah. We we believe the athletes looking at us are saying, okay, these guys are really solving the right problems for mountain athletes, and that's how that's our one of our big points of difference. Like that's all we do. We're not taking foam from a road shoe and putting yeah. it on the trail. So yeah, that, and, that's and, how. And we don't claim like this shoe's designed for you know elite performers, and it obviously can work for all levels. But we also don't claim they're for everybody. Hmm. <laughs> if they work for you, great. Yeah. Um, and we know that we're designing them for elites mm-hmm. and for, you know, people to go fast in the mountains. But if they don't work for you, that's okay. Cause you can't, when you're, when you're, when you're trying to make something that's a piece of equipment, yeah. it's high performance, it's not going to work for everybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. That may, yeah. Most people, their attitude uh, is if it works for the best of the best, I, I think I'll give it a shot. And they're usually good with that. You know, and, and probably <laughs> seven or eight times out of ten, that that will be the case. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, sh- footwear, anything that goes on the body is just tricky when it comes to fit. Yeah. Everybody's different. Feet yeah. in particular, uh, they're just they're tricky. If there's one thing that we've learned in all this time in the business is, you know, there's there's no silver bullet for fit. People have been trying these digital scans and yeah. different fit systems and. You know, we think this is the best for our particular group of athletes, but it's not going to work for every single person. And we really look at it as a piece of equipment. We haven't said that before, but like, yeah, it's, we, we rarely call it, we called it a shoe earlier just because we're talking about shoes, but mm-hmm. we don't really ever call it a shoe. Mm. It's like, no, it's a piece of equipment for your feet and when you're running these races or you're training or whatever. And that's the mindset that we have. And that's why we use, you know, the best of the best about fit system the best of the best cushioning the best mm-hmm. we we put it through that space when we're creating not like oh we're just making a shoe so you guys could be equipment dogs not yeah. shoe dogs right. yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make a shirt we think, yeah we think that aligns well for for you know the elite mountain runners like yeah. if there if there's potentially something that nobody else has made or that's better than what's out there mm-hmm. at least they're interested usually yeah um and and then there's also people who may not be podium finishers, might be mid-pack or backpack, but it's their thing. Yeah. They love running in the mountains. And if they can have something better, make uh, a way to make that experience even and better, they, they'll, they'll try it. Too. And they tend to have other pieces of equipment 
say in their garage, mm-hmm. whether that's a Hoyt bow or it's a certain ski. Yeah, they're they're intentional with their per- yeah, yeah. They're what they use and their purchases. Uh, their their bike, for mm-hmm. instance, like yeah, they have this bike for this reason. We we a lot of times we call we call these and and, and I put myself in this category of prosumers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they might never be pros. They might never be able to get to your level, mm-hmm. um, but they still want the same equipment. They want the same experience. And even if it makes them just one percent better, yeah, they want it. That's yeah. me, <laughs> you know. And that—that's—I call myself a gearhead. Call me whatever, you know. But that—that—that that, that is who I think we're, we're targeting with with this equipment here. That's who. That's the beautiful thing about running is nobody's comparing themselves to the Olympian. They're like setting, trying to set their own PR. If they're running a ten k, they want to break forty. Or they want to break 45 or, or 50 or an hour. They're not trying to break 30 and run with Galen Rupp or something. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's with running, everybody has their own thing. So if it's going to make you 1% better and you are knocking on the door, breaking 40 into 10 K and you got to just got to get that, you know, a couple more seconds off for six miles, this could do it. Right. And that's, that's what's cool. That's what I love about running is, uh, everybody has their own um, scale that they're measuring themselves on. Um, one thing, you know, I, like I said, I, I did that ultra last weekend. And what I like about these shoes is they don't, it was super muddy and wet, just much same weekend as the gorge, um, races were, but this material doesn't hold moisture, you know? So it's like, I've had shoes that get heavy, you know, and then you guys have addressed that with this is like, it's not, it's not keeping that weight. And then also, you know, you have the, I used to drill through my, my old Under Armour shoes so that water wouldn't sit in there and it'd come out that hole. And you guys have this hole actually, this perfectly. Yeah. You just have to, again, yeah. it goes back to the equipment thing. You just have to trim that with like a, a wire cutter or yeah. whatever. And, and all of a sudden you can, you know, it'll drain out the bottom. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, it's even faster. We, we love that idea. Like we find that people who are in equipment space, I'm, I'm sure it's the same in Bose, bikes, skis, that kind of gear. People spend a lot of time researching what they're going to buy mm-hmm. and the reasons they're going to buy it. And then there's oftentimes this customization, right? You don't generally a bike, you're picking your components and your pedals and mm-hmm. your bars and like they go deep down that, like everything is yeah. just what they want. That's not really available in shoes. You kind of you buy that shoe and is what it maybe is. You, you tweak stuff on your own, but there's not much opportunity. And we want to, we're trying to go down that pathway to the extent that people respond to it, right? So our plate comes in and out. That's one example where if you just want a, the softest ride possible, you can take the plate out. If you want a little bit more snap, if you're a faster runner or you got something that's flat and less technical, throw the plate in and you've got a little bit more propulsion there. It also acts as a rock plate. So if it's a particularly rocky right. course, you might want to keep the plate in. And that's that's one example that Boa we touched on earlier. That's certainly a more customizable fit than you mm-hmm. can get with laces. And I think we want to continue to kind of look at those opportunities for you know how can we allow people to customize their products to make them just right because ultimately what we want and it's kind of an irony (laughs) we want people to forget that they're wearing the product Mm -hmm. i mean the biggest compliment that we can get is i i wasn't thinking about my shoes at all i never had to worry about my My feet wasn't an issue yeah that means that you know the product's working the way that it should so is there you know being um 
Kip said you're a genius, so you should know this. But is there uh, pressures on? Yeah, um, that propulsion you mentioned is there a measurable that's saying because it is it's added weight, right? How much does a plate weigh on say a size nine? About half an ounce. Half Half an ounce. So what are you gaining from in propulsion? Is it offsetting that weight on a fairly consistent flat course? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we have a science to, to prove that it's X percent faster, but I think kind of based on evidence and what happens in road when you have that extra kind of snap in there is mm-hmm. that it would pay for itself over time. Now, okay. again, if if you're a slower runner, you're not up on your toes enough, it it, it might not. Right, okay. Um, but it's a personal thing. Like if it feels yeah. like it makes you faster, it makes you faster. <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, it, it is. It's yeah. like if it's if helping here, it's helping. Right, and that's true. It's <laughs> yeah. absolutely true. So, and again, that's why we think in addition to allowing the materials to work better by making it removable, you know, they're not glued together, not laminated. Um, but it just gives the user a choice. You kind of get an A and a B feel out of, out of one product. The thing about running um, in the mountains and long races, you have so much time to think. So like, even yeah. <laughs> if I have a hole here mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like, if I didn't have that hole, I'd be like, God, my shoes are heavy that I can't get rid of this water. You know, my, my shoes are full of water and it's like, I'm packing all this. But if I have that hole, even if it's the same, I'm like, well, you know, feels better. That water's not staying in that shoe. This is a lot better. You know, so a lot of it is like this, these mental games. You're just, you know, if you believe in it, it's going to help. Or if you believe it's helping, it's going to help. Yeah. Absolutely true. Yeah. I think like you guys, I was again on that muddy course. These, I didn't slip. I saw people really struggling with the mud, and I don't know what she. I didn't wasn't paying attention to what shoes they were wearing. All I knew is no is that like they were going down the super steep hill, and they were like it was dicey whether they're going to go down, and I was just bombing down it. I was telling them to be careful, and I'm bombing by them. I'm like, <laughs> I remember these two girls were on there, and I'm like, be careful, guys, because it looked like it was dangerous with whatever, however they were doing it. Yeah. But to me, it felt like, um, you know, these Michelin souls are, you know, a few places are using them now, or a few um, um, shoe companies are using it. It's a good sole, but your guys' tread design, it feels like it's not holding that mud and it's giving you the traction you need, yeah. you know, so it's shedding whatever, it's getting rid of it, and the, but also helping. It's all about like spacing, right? Yeah. And, and depth, right? Yeah. And how high they are. And, and a lot of trail shoes these days, because they're, you know, trying to go in after maybe lightweight or whatever, the depth on the lugs are just getting really, really low now, where it's really maybe not adequate when you get into mud yeah. and stuff. So, you know, that's again, it's that right weight thing where it's like, we got to have enough lug height which mm-hmm. might add just a little bit of weight but you have that traction you need when you're in mud which is you know the difference between again falling down or making that race time or whatever yeah yeah so because you you slip you pull your groin or some freaking things yeah. it's yeah. like god did i what did i gain by having this lighter shoe right. but i you <laughs> guys i mean it is, they are a little taller but they're more spread out so yeah. i i feel like you guys if it was if they were tight and tall of course it'd be more weight but taller, more spread out, seems like the perfect mix on, yeah, on the weight. It's, it, it's a process of finding that right balance because if mm-hmm. you put too few, if you space them out too far, then they wear quicker. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a, you know iterative process. And working with Michelin is certainly great in the sense they're rubber experts and it gives us a variety of compounds like 
our PDX, we learned maybe we didn't have the wet rock traction we wanted. We improved that for the next commission, which was the HSV. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, as we got into the TAM and we go forward, we're just tweaking that to find that right balance of the, the great traction and the compound yeah. and then the right mechanical kind of structure to it. Yeah, I um, I don't know if the BOAs, have, the BOAs have changed the game for sure. I mean, they've been in skiing, I think, for a long time, but they've been newer to the running world. I mean, it's been years now, but um, these definitely have changed the game. And I don't know if it used to be that I didn't know you could back them out before recently. Is that's that a, new? That's a, a newer BOA. I think yeah. we're the only one in this space using that dial because it's their highest end dial. They use it on like mm-hmm. the Specialized X, S-Works cycling shoes. But most of the other products in run space have used a different dial. Normally you tighten it, then you got to pull it if out, and then you start it, you all the way miss. over. Yeah, That's exactly. right. And so it this seems go, like a small thing, but, but I think it's huge. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, it's big. And, and <laughs> doing two, um, I guess it could seem excessive, but we really felt like that zonal control, like doing the forefoot, midfoot differently from the, yeah. the top strap is in another important like small detail, but an important one. And we've we talked to our athletes at the summit about this. Hey, should we change this? Should do you guys want to go to laces? Do you want to do one boa? And it was a resounding no. no. The two is important, and we like this dial, and we don't want laces. So, I think that's the kind of feedback that you know, if 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 it had been different, we would be having right. a different conversation. But um, we we agree that 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 boa that on the fly adjustment for different terrain for different times of day you know where how your feet are feeling is your feet swell important like tying your shoes sounds simple when it's dark and cold and you're in the middle (laughs) like you're not you you just don't do it no and i was trying to uh i was trying to catch my brother he was leading that the whole whole way he was leading that race i caught up to him twice i think on lap we had six six five mile laps and i caught up to him twice and so I was like, I cannot screw around with the, the shoe, you know? So it was so nice because normally if my feet are swelling and it gets tight, um, I got to loosen it up. I got to start all the way over and then it's loose. And then you got to go here. And then you're like, can't really remember where it was, yeah, exactly. you know, it's like, God, that's actually right where it was. <laughs> my foot still hurts or it's still not enough. So then you're like, but with this where you can just go, Oh, two back. I'm good to go. It's exactly yeah. what I needed. And then sometimes this gets tight because something happens on the, the all the climbing, the front of your, um, right on your ankle, the front part of it, get those tendons slide in there. Those can get really sore. Yeah. So sometimes you want this tighter, that looser. And yes. just be able to do that for a couple seconds and keep, you know, if I'm trying to track down somebody where they're not stopping either, right. you know, you can't be messing around. It's like made yeah. a big difference. I still never caught him, but it was, <laughs> it, it would have been, it would have been worse. He won the race, but he's won that like six times. So, um, it, that was good. Um, I do like the, the heel here too, because I've had a lot of shoes that tear up your heel and, you know, I've said nobody's ever died from a blister. So why, why you, but man, oh, it feels like it. when that heel <laughs> is torn up, yeah, they can be it's brutal. miserable. Yeah. yeah. Miserable. Yeah, that's so why we have that kind of super soft synthetic suede. Perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to irritate you. No, that's perfect. Yeah. Cause I think I just did have a, which one? I mean, Oh, the vapor flies that I tried those too. And those, for whatever reason, those are like 
freaking sandpaper back there. It tore the hell out of my Achilles. It's a really minimal heel package in that shoe, and if it doesn't fit you well, it's oh, pretty rough. Yeah, yeah it, it was. So that was this was a nice change from that, but and man. that's one of those things we could have gone more minimal. We probably could have saved some weight, but we felt like having a, a nice cushion, soft and and mm-hmm. proper heel cup is a big part of the fit in this product which again we've had really good feedback on so we we didn't want to kind of try to dial that back we felt like it's working let's yeah Yeah, heel heel fit's key if you don't if you don't have secure heel fit that's kind of the any sport yeah 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 (laughs) i know that's kind of the that's the end of it basically right there because you can tighten the the midfoot all day but if if that heel's going all over the place that you know that just starts to irritate you and you go crazy yeah. Well, and from a biomechanics standpoint, at least from some of the, the people that we've learned from over the years, like yeah. if you can have a good heel locked on, control that heel, it helps the whole rest of your foot yeah. strike. If you've mm. got a loose heel, now you're compensating and you're using a lot of those smaller muscles to try to stabilize and it's inefficient. So It's inefficient and it gets fatigued yeah. and then you start favoring things and then 200 miles down the road, you're, you're not even the same runner you were when you started. Yeah. I mean, your body is just broke down. And it's like the more, I think we touched about it and we, we mentioned Courtney stays so consistent, but... You know, if you can keep that form as long as possible, everybody yeah. gets tired and yeah. your stride shortens up and all that shit happens. That happens. But if you can keep your head up, your shoulders back and still stay in pretty good form, that starts with the feet, though. Yeah. The feet start screwing around. It changes everything up top, you know. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's a chain. Yeah, yeah that's a uh, uh, kinetic chain. And so it starts, you know, for most people with that heel strike, if you don't have good heel fit, then kind of the rest of it just is... Uh, yeah disaster so the other thing i like with these is that toe boxes you know i don't you don't want a too too big of a toe box but i remember i ran in some i did a the what was it orca island marathon and it was pretty had like seven thousand foot of gain and i wore the solomons in that and they're they're more my feet are kind of narrow so i thought oh these solomons will be good and i like how they had the you know you pulled it the quick the, pull yeah, yeah the, the quick pull and they I mean, great shoe for short, but once your feet start swelling a little bit and they're kind of narrow, oh my God, my feet were just, they were, they hurt so bad by the end of it because your feet after hours on them, they're just going to swell. Different shape. Yeah. 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 And it's like with a little more, so you can be tighter here. And then if your feet do swell, yeah, you can do that. And, uh, gives you a little, you you know, it's going to happen. So you have to have a shoe that's going to, you know, accommodate that, but. That's a, that's a kind of one of those fine balances that we tried to find with the last where if it's too wide, you feel sloppy and you don't have good control in the mm-hmm. forefoot. And if it's too narrow, then you have the problem you described where yeah. your feet swell and there's nowhere to go. So it's finding that kind yeah. of middle ground where the you've got enough width that your feet can swell, but you've got a closure system that allows you to still be really so secure. A lot, of, a lot of ultra runners like to buy like at least a half size too big, big yeah. on purpose mm-hmm. because they know that when they mm-hmm. get into those miles later that their feet are going to be bigger so they they purposely go a half size bigger at least yeah, yeah. that's a i've i've done the drop bag later with yeah. the bigger shoe yeah. just yeah. knowing that but like you get desperate when you're you know i've been in races and i'm like does somebody have a knife i want to cut i just want to cut the top just so i can have you'll oh, do yeah. anything yeah. if right. your feet hurt because you don't want to quit yeah. you know you can't say well why'd you quit oh my feet hurt what i mean you're a pussy. 
So you're like, <laughs> what do I got to do? Do I take my socks off? Do I need to cut this shoe? And so it's like, man, your feet, it's like, like I said, you get in your head on all these little things. And, uh, the, as, as I think you mentioned, what you want to hear is that you never thought about your feet or the shoes were never an issue. You were just able to, to perform, but that's, that's what we hope for and, and work toward is to, to make sure that the, the shoes don't become a distraction. That what do we say? Absence, absence of sensation. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Man, this has been fun. I love talking shoes. I mean, and you we guys. Can, we can talk it all the rest of the day. God, this well, is awesome. Well, we're looking forward to this. I mean, it's great. Uh, <clears throat> great. going to be a cool partnership. And so, I think this product, you know, will be They ready. can order these today and get them tomorrow? Is that, <laughs> is that what I... Not no, they no, can order. They no. can order the GS Tam today. Oh. Yeah, they can get the same shoe today, but not in this color. Uh, so your commission will probably be late summer. Okay. But so they'll be able to, they can get them late summer. That's the goal. Okay. Yeah. We haven't started building them obviously. Yet. Right. We got some details to work out. This is the very first sample. So we're yeah. glad everybody's seen the you liked it. prototype. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh man. It looks one. so badass. I wanted, I wanted blood on it because it's like, <laughs> I used to have a column about bow hunting and it's like, Hey, sometimes you got to bleed. You know, we don't want our feet bleeding, but no. it's like symbolism. Like, Hey, sometimes it's going to have to take everything you got if you drop a few drops of blood, that's okay too. So I like that. Uh, it's just a, um, a sign, a symbol of sacrifice to me. Like we're going to bleed to do it, but the shoe looks awesome. I know it performs well. People I think are going to eat this up. It's badass. I yeah, mean, we're, I think we, we think it came out great. So we're, we're yeah. excited to put the final. And late Touches summer, on. that's not too bad. I was, bad. I thought we were on the Under Armour, like, oh, maybe five years. Yeah. <laughs> five years, we should have those to well, fall uh, of 29. <laughs> well, we're moving faster than that. So Good, good. Yeah, well, be great. I love it. Um, man, it's an honor to work with you guys. Uh, I love that it's small and able to be, I, I don't know, kind of uh, nimble and make quick decisions and get this out there. It's that's the good part of being, you know, a smaller company and we're going to kick ass. It means a lot to me that, um, we were able to form this partnership. And now people who come here on the podcast, we're going to have shoes available, Speedland shoes available. They can run in if they'd like, I'd, I'll have different sizes of shoes. People can come on, try them out, yeah, see what they great. think. You guys are, you guys are awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on the thanks show. For having us. Yeah. Good. Thanks for having us. This has been great. Thank you. And we'll end this with. They keep hammering these these guys are outliers don't i mean you you know that now after listening but uh keep hammering thanks guys thank you thank you cabela's and bass pro shops is a sponsor of the podcast and that's especially powerful for me because i remember when cabela's came to town came to springfield oregon and i actually played a role in the opening of that store instead of cutting the grand opening ribbon with scissors i shot it with an arrow and it was just a monumental thing. I mean, everybody here in town was talking about, hey, are you gonna go to Cabela's? Can you believe Cabela's is coming here to Springfield, Oregon? So I know what a staple those giants in the industry are. And it's actually, it's one of the first places people go when they're looking to get geared up to be to become a hunter is they go to Cabela's and buy everything they need. So I'm very excited that we've partnered together and we can help open up those outdoor and hunting opportunities to listeners of this podcast. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. 
I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast.